Welcome, my friends. And once again, I bring you greetings from the Center Church of Christ, meeting in the building at 110 Hurst Street in Center, Texas. We do appreciate the comments we receive on our visits from those of you who are listening to these lessons, and we prayerfully ask that you encourage your friends to also visit with us and study with us. What we want you to do now is what we've always done, and that is we want you to stop checking that Facebook page, ignore those incoming text messages and emails, and take just a few minutes out of your busy schedule, and let's visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Please let me apologize. We have missed several weeks of our podcast with some technical issues. We think we finally cleared these up completely and should once again begin airing a new program each and every week. If you remember, in our visits these past few weeks, we've been talking about the storms that life brings upon us and getting through those storms. In our last visit, we talked about the storm of discouragement, how all of us are sometimes discouraged and down in the dumps. I hope you found some of the thoughts we shared to be helpful. In our visit this week, and this will be the final installment in these series on the storms of life, we want to consider something else that we all struggle with, and that is the storm of fear. It actually seems appropriate to think of fear as we bring this series to a close. You see, it was the fear of the disciples that caused Jesus to calm the storm. Fear not. God says that more times than anything else in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we hear that command. From Abraham in the desert to John on Patmos, we hear that exhortation. It's spoken by the mouth of prophets, apostles, martyrs, and Jesus. Fear not. God said that to Abraham, Israel, Moses, and David. It was said to Daniel, to Jerusalem, and to the disciples. It was told to the women at the sepulcher, to Zacharias, Mary, Simon, and yes, Paul also heard those words. It was said under all kinds of conditions and circumstances. It's the word that God speaks to believers. Fear not. The frequency with which the Bible tells us not to fear tells us that fear is the great spoiler and enemy of our lives. And yet so many of us are like little five-year-old Johnny. Little Johnny was in the kitchen and his mother was making supper. She said, Johnny, go in the pantry and get me a can of tomato soup. Johnny didn't want to go in there alone. He said, Mommy, it's dark in there and I'm scared. She said, Johnny, go get me some tomato soup out of the pantry. And finally she said, Johnny, it's okay. Jesus will be in there with you. Little Johnny walked hesitantly to the door and he slowly opened it. He peeked inside. He saw it was dark and he started to leave when all at once an idea came and he said, Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me that can of tomato soup? Well, then again, maybe we're like the little boy in the thunderstorm. Oh, it was raining and the thunder was rolling and the lightning was flashing and his mother was tucking into bed. She was about to turn the light off, and in her trembling voice, he said, Mommy, will you stay with me all night? Smiling, she gave him a warm, reassuring hug, and she said tenderly, I can't, sweetie. I have to sleep in Daddy's room. A long silence followed. At last, it was broken by a shaky voice saying, The big sissy. Fear. 
It's our greatest adversary. There's an ancient legend of a man driving one day toward a certain city. He was stopped by an old woman asking for a ride. He took her up beside him and they drove down the road. As he looked at her, he became frightened and asked, Who are you? The old woman replied that she was cholera. He ordered the old woman to get out and walk, yet she persuaded him to take her. She promised not to kill more than five people in the city. She even gave him a special dagger, the only weapon that could kill her, and told him she would meet him in two days, and if he could stab her, he could stab her if she broke her promise. A hundred and twenty people died in this city of cholera. The enraged man went to look for her, and meeting her, raised the dagger to kill her, and she stopped him, and she said she'd kept her agreement and killed only five people. Fear, she said, killed the others. My friends, this legend is a true parable of life. Disease kills its thousands. Fear kills its tens of thousands. The greatest miseries of humanity come from the dread of trouble rather than from the presence of trouble. From the cradle to the grave, fear casts its shadow. Fear betrays man's spirit. It breaks down his defense. It disarms him in the battle and makes him unfit for the work of life. Fear is what adds terror to the bed of a dying man. Fear in the form of worry is the greatest, most harmful, most senseless, most useless, and most universal of all sins. It would take a large catalog to exhaust all the kinds of fear. Some that are well are afraid they'll get sick. Some who are sick are afraid they'll not get well. Some who are young are afraid of old age. Some who are beautiful are afraid the day that beauty will vanish. Fear, my friends, weakens us, saddens us, and frightens us. Next week we'll celebrate Thanksgiving Day and Oh my, I'm looking forward to it. Yet, if we're not careful, fear can blind us to the satisfactions of life and the things that we should be thankful for. It does not matter what our profession of faith might be. If we are under the dominion of fear, we have become practical atheists. You remember what Paul wrote in Second Timothy 1 and verse 7? He said, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. If we could look into the hearts of those we come in contact with, we would be surprised to learn the number and variety of fears that others have. Fears that range from the fear of a child as it comes into the world to the fear of one facing life's last experience, death. When you stop and think about it, what is sadder than fear? Here we are, created in the image of God, made for dominion over the world, created with the intellect of an angel and with an immortal soul, and yet with all that, the victim and slave of a thousand fears. Fear was the first wages of sin in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8-10. through 10. It was in the garden. Adam and Eve yielded to the tempter and ate the forbidden fruit. They then heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden at the cool of the day. The Bible says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. When God called to Adam, He said, Where art thou? 
And Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. That was the very first shadow cast by fear over the world. Since that time, fear has been blighting and darkening the lives of the human family. Banishing fear from man's life would be the greatest blessing ever bestowed upon mankind. The great remedy for fear, the only remedy for fear, is what the Bible offers to us. And that is complete trust and confidence in God. The casting of all of our care upon the Lord. That's the way Peter put it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. You see, a large percentage of the things that we dread never happened. If an individual kept a register of fears for 25 or 50 years, most don't come to pass. Many are miserable all their lives, harassed and suffering, waiting for something disastrous and unpleasant to happen. Even the heaviest of troubles will pass away. That's what Lincoln would say during the darkest days of the Civil War. And it reminds us of the story of the Eastern King. He was unable to control his anxious moments and asked his wise men for a cure. They were unable to provide one. It was in vain. But his daughter gave him a ring with this inscription on it. This too shall pass away. The poet expressed it this way. Once in Persia reigned a king who upon his signet ring graved a maxim true and wise which, if held before the eyes, gave him wisdom at a glance fit for every change and chance. Solemn words, and these are they, even this shall pass away. Oh, my friends, we must remember that fear and worry are useless. Whether the things we dread come to pass or not, our fearing them in advance can in no way hold them back, nor can it diminish their power. There's nothing so useless as fear. That's what Jesus emphasizes when he emphasizes the folly of worry. I think there's almost humor in what he had to say on the subject. Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature, Jesus said. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof, Jesus said. Every day has enough troubles of its own. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. You can't cross a bridge till you get to it. God hears our cries of distress and empowers and delivers us. He does not do so by removing the evil or danger. He does it by showing us His face, by walking by our side. That's what He did with Paul and his thorn in the flesh. The storm we started this series with is forever true. Jesus and the disciples were in the boat in that storm. The storm raged, and Jesus slept in the back of the boat. The disciples were afraid. They knew life was over. They knew the ship would sink. They woke Jesus and asked if He cared that they perished. Jesus stilled the tempest. He calmed their fears and gave them a sermon they never forgot. A sermon timely and practical for us. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Whatever it is, Jesus can calm the storm in our lives. But for Jesus to calm the storms of our life, we must give our lives to Him and submit our will to His will. 
We must make Jesus the Lord and Master of our lives. My friend, if Jesus is not the Master of all of your life, then Jesus is not Master at all in your life. You make Jesus the Master of your life by coming to Him in simple trusting faith, repenting of everything that's sin in your life, confessing His name before men, and being buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of past sins. That, my friends, is the simple process that makes you a Christian. Nothing more than a Christian, nothing less than a Christian, and nothing else. Just a simple New Testament Christian doing things just as they did on Pentecost, just as the eunuch did when Philip preached Jesus to him, and just as that jailer did when Paul and Silas told him what he must do to be saved. If we can assist you in your obedience to Jesus Christ, please give us that opportunity. We hope you're enjoying the opportunity for us to visit together about the things of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. We would like for you to come and worship with us at the Center Church of Christ this very Lord's Day. We love you. The Lord who died for you loves you. And we want you to go to heaven. Our time is gone. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless and keep you, is our prayer in Jesus' name.